1: The Pod Six One Seven Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. It's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f-ing city.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this show, subscribe to us on Apple Podcast leave us a like or five stars or 10 stars or however many fricking stars there are on there. Just keep clicking them. Please people. We really need the attention and the love. It's that kind of world now. You know, just don't be afraid to ask for it. I got a guy on the line who knows a thing or two about that, about adulation and self-affirmation and all kinds of other words that end in shun that only a uh, smart ass psychologists know. it is Dr. Mike Friedman is on the line
1: in the virtual studio. Oh, Oh, Dr. Mike. How are you, my friend? Dave, I'm doing well. I've been looking for adulation from you for conservatively 30 years. I'm hoping this is really going to be the time that I get it.
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe. We might as well come clean and say that we are fraternity brothers attending the austere University of Pennsylvania back in the late 80s. And Mike trailed a little into the uh, early 90s. And, uh, yes, I was a role model to Mike and, um, he had a lot of hair before and now not really a whisker up there, but listen to more important matters here. So Mike is a, uh, what, what are you, how many PhDs and MDs and all those Ds after your name, do you have, I have one,
1: I have one PhD in clinical psychology. There you go. No other D's. I'm D-less otherwise.
0: All right. Slow down, head shrinker guy. Um, but he has, so he, he, and obviously I've known Mike for a long time, and he's awesome at what he does. Relatively new is the podcast called Hardcore Humanism with Dr. Mike. We're going to talk about that a little bit and get that anywhere you find your podcast, I take it. Mike, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. You, yeah, you
1: go to the hardcorehumanism.com, go to your you favorite go. app. It's all over the place.
0: And within a matter of a month or so, Mike had booked more star guests than you can shake a stick at, and probably more that have ever appeared on this show, even though I'm on episode, like, 300 and who knows what the hell here. And I'm just very impressed. I want to hear about that. But um, yeah, tell us. So hardcore humanism is your thing. It's not just the podcast, although our podcast listeners out there, that's what they want to hear about, but it goes hand in hand with what you do as a, as a therapist, as a a guy who makes you feel a little better, as we say here in Boston, tell us all about it.
1: Hardcore humanism came from two places. It, It started back uh, with the humanistic psychology of Carl Rogers, uh, Maslow. It, it, you know, back when I was. Carl, Carl
0: Rogers, I- um, he played the doctor on the love boat. Is that right? No. Nope. Well, I I don't
1: know if I don't know if that's true, but I just want to say that love is still exciting, and that's what that's what's important to me about the love boat. It it seems like it was a '70s thing, but it's always exciting.
0: It's always, as we say in this podcast, yeah, come aboard. We're expecting you. I'm sorry.
1: I actually saw a a gopher on the. uh, I think it was the Mindy project.
0: Oh, come on! And he.
1: Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was like, I was like, why do I know this guy? And I saw the credits. I was like, it was Fred Grandy. I was like, wait a minute. I thought he was like a congressman. or He
0: was was at one point, right? He was like, he was one of those weird actors turned congresspeople. And I liked, I liked him better as gopher, quite frankly, but whatever.
1: (laughs) I didn't know anything about his political, he was fantastic as gopher. Yeah, he was. The show itself was amazing in retrospect.
0: You know, I was listening to a fellow podcaster. You know, you're in the community now, Mike, so us podcasters, you know, we hang out together at the podcast cafe and drink our lattes and everything. But Adam Carolla, who's one of my podcast, uh, not mentors because I don't know him. I'll, I met him once. But um, uh, Role Models, he <laughs> he loves those old uh, TV shows. And he said that there's stuff on there that's just weird and wonderful in a way that you wouldn't get today. The uh, A recent A recent podcast, a recent Love Boat rerun featured a plot line where a guy was trying to, he he was, his uh, fiance wanted them to get married like kind of now, like when we get off at of Vallarta, we got to get married, right guy? And the guy had cold feet and the guy lied and said he had a disease. And so she says, let's go to Dr. Bricker. And the scheme was Dr. Bricker was going to to the, 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 I don't know if this is worth the time. It was going to like scare him with like a big phony injection. And of course, what happens is Dr. Bricker checks his shoulder and finds out, wait a minute, pick up this coffee cup and he's having trouble. And he says, you, you have Lou Gehrig's disease. And he's not kidding. And and I know, and then they, and they get off the boat and they've decided they'll just live out life as happy as they can. But I don't think you would see that sort of casual love boatish treatment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The whole time of the seventies and the eighties, I mean, just like like Fantasy Island was fantastic. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica was fantastic. You yeah. Know, I, I don't know what that game was that they played still, but I know that they wore extremely short shorts to play it. Battle Richard of the- Hatch and Dirk, Dirk Benedict. Oh,
0: like, oh, not Battle of the Network Stars. Is that what you're talking about? No. no well, you know, it's interesting oh. that
1: you say that because Richard Hatch was at the, one of the early Battle of the Network Stars uh, competitors, I believe. I'm remembering a tug of war where he was in the front. Mm-hmm. This is this all mind-blowing to me because I didn't know actors did anything else at that point. And, and so he was right. He was fantastic.
0: Yeah. That that. well, it was either that or the superstars. Maybe they had these weird th- there was stuff that did that just doesn't exist now, like variety shows like, you know, the John Davison show or the Mary Tyler Moore hour of fun. or And they would just do these stupid skits. It was worse is what I will say.
1: It was worse. Yeah, You think it was worse? I, I'm <laughs> glad we grew up in a time like this so that yeah. we were prepared for this particular part of our career.
0: <laughs> well, it's true, but I mean, a lot of entertainment and such. Now, you know, it's a renaissance for television. Podcasting is, is booming like never before. Of course, never existed in the past. Back then, you kind of took what you got. And whether it sucked or not, you still kind of liked it. Love Boat Fantasy Island. I remember watching the Saturday morning, Captain Cool and the Kongs and the Croft Superstar Hour. They were whatever they were. We watched them. I, I kind of liked them. I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, we had we had. I mean, we're talking the Herculoids. We're talking <laughs> like the Herculoids was fantastic. Thunder the Barbarian. Oh, I remember we're getting Thundar, we're yeah. getting deep into the. Weeds oh, yeah. Now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But my Saturday mornings were were spectacular. I have no complaints about my Saturday mornings.
0: Same. Yeah.
1: The banana uh, splits.
0: Oh, the banana splits! Did you know they? Uh, and this this podcast is one big parentheses, but that's okay. It's a podcast. What's so supposed to be the banana splits? They actually recently made a movie. I think it was like straight to stream or straight to like it couldn't even make Netflix. It was like Schlepfix. It was on you know the something the, the 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 banana splits movie reimagined as a horror movie. I kid you not. You can, you can Google this and, and check out the trailer. Yeah. So the, the was it
1: danger Island, was that the, the would that, that was the thing or something Island.
0: Oh, where, where the banana splits lived.
1: Well, there was the banana splits. And then there was a skit that I, I could imagine, you know, in retrospect, I mean, there was something kind of horrifying about the whole scene, but yeah. I was indoctrinated at an early age. So it seemed normal to me. Yeah,
0: You know, what's weird. Fred Grandy was only in office for two years, 1993 to 1995. I assumed he just went off and, and, and then after, after that, um, yeah, I think he went back to acting. Yeah. So anyway, you, you're correct. He was on the Mindy Project for, a, uh, for nine episodes. Anyway, hardcore humanism. Tell us a little bit more because then we have other fun stuff to get to, listeners. By the way, I didn't even warn Mike for this. We're going to play a quick game called Wicked Smart, or as we say around here, Wicked Smart. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to play a round of good stuff where you, Mike, you have to recommend to the audience something good that you've either seen on TV or a recipe Ooh. or just anything good nice. that's kind of kept you happy during the pandemic. But let's gotcha. talk but hardcore humanism more, please,
1: more. So Carl Rogers, not the doctor on the Love Boat, <laughs> uh, and Maslow were kind right. of you know back in the day. One, one of the things that that's tough about about therapy and psychology sometimes is that it always feels as though that the, the therapists view people as somehow problematic or disturbed. You know, Freud thought people were bad and, and full of unconscious conflict and Skinner thought people were empty, you know, but Rogers was one of the few people that said, no, people are good. Mm. You know, and what we have to do is we have to kind of get out of the way of people so that they can be who they want to be. And Maslow took it a step further and, and talked about the concept of actualization. Um, Rogers talked about this idea of unconditional positive regard that even if we don't agree with someone, even if we don't like what they're doing, we can still have a, have a a decent feeling for that person. Mm -hmm. And so when we did hardcore humanism, the, there was a couple of reasons why we developed that one was because like, I was finding that a lot of the language in different types of therapy. So cognitive therapy was about distorted thinking. Analytic therapy was about these conflicts. And I just, I just felt that it was always pathologizing people. I didn't, it didn't, didn't work for me. And you know, Rogers though, on the other hand said, look, you know, what are you about? What's your, what are you into? And so the three basic things that we we do in hardcore humanism is, you know, one, we want to pull away all the expectations and the pressures and the stigmas that people feel that interfere with them being the person that they want to be. You know, so if you're, you, everyone's telling you to go right, but you feel like you want to go left, that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, And the second thing is the idea that people can have a purpose-driven life. The idea that, you know, in order to understand someone, you have to you have to understand what they want in the world. You know, you can't just look at them in isolation of a given incident. It's got to be in the context of who they are. And then third and finally, which is like, how do you help them get that? And so, you know, one of the reasons why we interview the people on the podcast is because what I found over time is that these artists, whether it's artists or activists or actors or athletes, they're all people who somehow went through that process. You know, there's always, the story is always something like this. Like, you know, nobody told me that I would be able to have a career in music, but I stuck with it anyway. Right. Uh, I knew at an early age that music was what I wanted my life to be. And I worked for, you know, weeks, months, years in order to get it. And, you know, when I would hear those stories, I would be inspired to try to do that in my life. And so I started working on that with uh, my clients and I found that it was more effective for me and working with them than some of the other stuff that I was doing.
0: I want to talk about that because that, rem- that, that reminds me of two things. One is that we all make good decisions in, in, in our lives, and then some decisions that just don't work out so well. And if I look back on the ones that didn't work out so well, they were probably made because I was following um, a script of what I had in my head of the way things were supposed to be, as opposed to what kind of really felt good in my heart or kind of really felt like this I would enjoy this this would fulfill me that's one thing the other the other thing is that it reminded me slightly of my son Adrian who's who has autism who is not what you'd call high functioning but but there are moments where he sees things so much different than the rest of us and he's able to just kind of think differently and just, and not get upset by something that would upset the rest of us. So, and there's the whole idea of neuro, neuro and people hiring people actually on the autism spectrum because they actually think differently. And who knows, that could be something good. Am I onto something with either one of those? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, look, you, you and I, uh, as we both probably know, are, are kind of, we're cut from the same cloth in that early expectation respect. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Know, yep. That, you know, you, Sometimes you come from certain backgrounds, certain expectations. There's like, here's the path that you're supposed to follow, and I think just on the um, on the autism spectrum, that's been very informative for me because I work with a lot of uh, parents of uh, people with autistic children, mm-hmm. and one of the most important things is is how they don't the kids don't get to go, and the parents through that cycle. You know, it's just assumed like, oh, this is a problem. There's nothing you know, in the past, this isn't really the case anymore, but it was like, oh, there's nothing good here. This is a, this is a right. disturbed individual. And, it's a you know, disorder. The- it's
0: a disorder. And so we, yeah. have, we have to fix what's, what's wrong. Yeah.
1: Right. And, you know, and obviously like, I'm, you know, you, you have to have a healthy respect for, even though with respect to neurodiversity, also respect for like the challenges that some is obviously, you know, you know, better than I do, but, you know, I think that just the, the basic, the basic pivot that, no, this can be somebody who's got something to offer the world and, 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 and finding out from them, what is it, you know, or at least observing, like, what is it that you're into? And then helping them work towards that was not how, at least my experience was, was not how we dealt with people with autism or with mental illness in the past. It was, it was how we dealt with, you know, we just were sort of like, let's try to control, let's try to cage, let's try to, you know, like basically like kind of removed from society. And one of, the, I think one of the, the fantastic things about the awareness of neurodiversity is that people, it's not just in that area. People are like, Hey, like for anyone, like, mm. let's just, let's just sort of figure out, you know, what are this person's strengths and weaknesses? Let's not just dismiss them overall right. as you know, crazy or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And so I can see how that dovetails to what you do on the, on the podcast and in your practice. You had D Snider on recently, and I listened to most of that show. Um, so for those that don't know, D Snider, famously the frontman for the heavy metal band Twisted Sister. Um, I kind of, at one point, a few years ago, did a deep dive on D Snider just because I found him interesting after seeing the documentary. I think it's called This Is... Twisted fucking sister or this is fucking <laughs> there's definitely an F-bomb in the title of
1: the doc. Do you see that? Did you catch that? I did, I did, I did not see that did but I, I could certainly imagine that, that that documentary either was made or will be made for sure.
0: Yeah and you, you think a lot of these folks you think of them as well he is what he is. He plays we're not going to take it. He, he jumps around like a crazy person. Um, the, the documentary portrays Twisted Sister in a surprising light to me anyway that they were uh, not not quite a working man's band, but they kicked around for just a long time on Long Island, the bars of Long Island, and developed a following among people who were self-proclaimed losers, misf- misfits, not cool rock and roll guys, but just kind of you know dorky or I didn't fit in or whatever it is. To, uh, D. Snyder uh, never did drugs, never drank, as far as according to the doc, that surprised me. You know, <laughs> so so he's not. Uh, you know, they're out there, you know, the Sebastian box of the world or who, whoever, Tommy Lee or whatever, that, that really embraced that style. But so would, would you just using him as an example, I guess, um, were you surprised by anything he told you when you had him on the pod?
1: Well, you know, no, because the, the, I had actually interviewed him a couple of years back and I, I wanted when we just were doing it for a, a psychology today article. And I, I wanted to interview him specifically because I was aware of that of that story. Um, and in fact, I, I personally had gone through some of the things that he was talking about because, um, when I was in my thirties, I decided to try to start doing music for the first time. Um, and you're a, I,
0: you're a singer, you are a singer.
1: I, well, singing would be a very, would be a gentle euphemism. <laughs> I was, I was, cause what, what happened was that I, I grew up liking rock music and you know, whatever. Sure. Um, and I, I went to an audition and I can't sing. And so what wound up happening was I got so upset when they were playing that I started screaming Mm -hmm. into the microphone and the, it just so happened that the bass player of our band grew up as a New York hardcore kid, uh, like, you know, when Mm -hmm. it was Lemoore's thrash metal. And so he's like, maybe we should do more of like a hardcore thrash type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what those words meant. And so eventually as time went on and I found out that there were certain genres that, selected for screaming, like sweaty people Yeah, that that is what we did. And we did it for a few years. But what was so interesting was how different people in my life responded to that. And, you know, some people just didn't care one way or another. A lot of people were sort of like, Hey, cool. You're doing something different. Even if I don't necessarily like it, you know, I'm like, I'm psyched for you. I want to talk to you about things that I'm doing. But then some people were just like,
0: what the hell? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what's, what's like, are you like, are you that disturbed? Are you that crazy? Like what, like what's, and I'm like, you've known me my whole life. And just because I stepped into this forum, you, you're now like putting all these judgments on me, you know? And it, it, and what I realized was I was like, wow, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged man and it still hurts. It's still affecting me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when I was, you know, talking with D, you know, I realized that when I was younger, I was probably one of those people who judged you know, like, like the guys of heavy metal, they had like the Iron Maiden, the Judas Priest. I didn't know what Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, yeah. Black Sabbath. Scary, yeah, yeah, it was scary. <laughs> you know, they were scary. And now, like, you know, after playing and we, you know, we did albums, we play, you know, and like a lot of the, the, you know, when I see someone now who has those same shirts, I go to them, you know, mm-hmm. because I know that chances are they're going to want to talk music, they're going to want to talk about creativity, they're going to want to talk about different ideas, and that was a big part of hardcore humanism was that experience of like being you know having led a pretty mainstream life and all of a sudden being kind of not shunned per se but a little bit yeah you know and i I thought to myself like god you know there's people who go through this all the time you know and so that was where it kind of converged with the with the more rogerian humanistic psychology
0: yeah we we I say we, me and my, my, I have an uncle who's like a, a rock and roll mentor to me. He's only a few years older than me, one of those tweener generationally. And he leads myself and my cousins on like a rock and roll exodus. Used to be every year. It's on hold now for obvious reasons. But we twice went down to, a heavy metal festival called m3 ever heard of m3 i've Uh, heard of it yeah it's a it's a big deal and we went to uh rented an rv and drove down to maryland or wherever it is it's it's down there somewhere anyway you know like we're talking 10 hour drive stopped off in new york to pick up another cousin that sort of thing the Culture and civility is a weird word to use for heavy metal fans, but the the community of, of metalheads is not what you might think it be. It's not everyone, you know, pouring Jack Daniels down their throat and giving you the finger. It's it was really nice, and um, I'll give you an example. At one point, we're kind of standing around. You know probably between night ranger and Dawkins or something and and i forget whose idea it was but someone said i got an idea like everyone posts pictures to facebook say hey i'm here at the rock this and that and why don't we like take pictures of folks and pretend that they're like famous members of bands but we'll just make the shit up so we said, so me and my cousin, Jeff, we go over to this, but happened to be a black dude, you know, uh, and who know? who knew Yeah, black people are allowed to like heavy metal too. And so we said, Hey man, we got this funny idea. We want to pretend you're like a guitarist. We're just going to make up the name of the band. And the guy goes, cool, man, that sounds funny. And so we took a picture where we were like, and posted to Facebook and said, we were so thrilled to be able to meet, you know, Richie Carnado who was the the bass guitarist for love Apology you know just, we had so much fun making up names. everyone good, everybody was in on the joke and they, they all loved it so I don't know if that story is worthwhile well,
1: yeah well no it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because you know the, the research has actually you know been done that shows that like you know people who are like 80s metal heads are very well adjusted actually listening to metal reduces stress rather than increasing stress and people who like heavy music, are very into civic activism. And, you know, I like, as an example, like there's a, uh, this, this bar is Niagara, but it used to be a seven in the East village. And they have, uh, cause CBGBs used to have hardcore punk matinees. And so to keep that spirit, um, Drew Stone and Jesse Malin, who owns it, like started the a seven hardcore series that were just every Sunday, there were matinee shows. And so it was just like, all these, all these people like just packed into this bar, like thrashing around to like really intense hardcore music. And I brought my son, you know, who was 10 at the time, he'd already been, we'd already gone to a hardcore show and we, we would go. And it's like, everybody was just like, Hey, what's up? you like talking to him. And like, you know, like it was, you, you know, you think like, wait, you're bringing your kid into this like scary place. And it was, as you said, I mean, I knew it was the exact opposite. Cause I've been playing those yeah. kind of shows for a long time, but It was, it's nothing like people who are outside of that culture would think. Um, One really good example, I'll I'll tell you, when I interviewed uh, Mark Greenway of Napalm Death with uh, Buzz from the Melvins, we went, we had, I don't remember what venue it was in, but we were, I was right where the the bands were watching it from the stage from a little bit higher up. And it was like, you know, it was thrashing, like, you know, the, the pit was really raging. And you look at it, you're like, oh my God, this is like, this is just violence, and then all of a sudden, what happened was as if as if there was like a, everybody was on the same frequency. Everybody stopped and took out their phones, and you saw somebody pick up a pair of glasses, put them in the air, <laughs> give the thumbs up, and then everybody Back gave to thrashing. Up, and then everybody started like thrashing again. Amazing! And and you know it's yeah, and people who you know again people who are not familiar with that culture would never imagine, but it's. You know, to me what I found is it's one of the most kind of open minded, um, you know, and, and very welcoming too. You know, I think that there's a general feeling like you had at the at at the the festival, yep. like, look, if you're if you're here and you're open minded and you wanna like dig it, it's like we'll dig it with you. Yeah. You know, that's that's how it's gonna be. And I, I like that a lot because I feel like it's it's not as common as people would think to have that kind of a environment or a culture.
0: Now, when you think about it, the mosh pit is just the the slightly more grown-up version of like playing football in the snow or something you know just just like it's a way to enjoy the music and by by you know messing around horsing around you're bumping into people that 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 sounds fun maybe not at, at my advanced age now but
1: i know i think though when we were in college and we would play those sports if someone dropped their glasses we'd turn around and be like you loser and like, go buy them <laughs> that's true <laughs> so we'd, score, we'd score first and then we'd be like hey i hope you found your glasses but i really don't care mm-hmm.
0: That's right. I famously had a, a pair of glasses shattered in half by our uh, mutual fraternity brother Michael Milt Wolf um, on the on his backswing. On, I think it, it was a homecoming, and all of a sudden, every we were playing beer pong, and everything went black, and um, my glasses were split in half. It was. Um, we, I lived it. I lived another
1: day. Uh, believe me. But I, I think this. Is, was, I think this is probably the moment where we should just talk about something that was unspoken, which is that Milt has always been a dangerous man. He's, and I feel like you're the first one who's really just saying it publicly. But there's always been something about him. It's sinister and it's forbidding. The,
0: and the evil underbelly of Milt. And actually, evil underbelly. That's a good segue because so. Michael Milt Wolf and I, we do a podcast called past tens uh, on this network pod, six one seven dot com some music nostalgia show, but we go back in time. We look at the top 10 and we sort of analyze and see what holds up and have a few laughs. One of the people that keeps coming up on the show is Nile Rogers, who is one of these yeah. guys who is, who could be the most influential guy on, on modern pop and rock music that most people
1: don't know who he is. And you had him on your podcast in episode number two. What was that like? Yeah, it, it was, um, You know, it was interesting because I'm seeing my own reflection. I'm wearing a a ginger shirt. There's there's a Mm -hmm. band Ginger. uh, The lead singer Tatiana, and like I was so psyched because when I interviewed her, it was it was all just darkness. Like she was just her. She led like she she didn't hesitate. She didn't hedge, and she didn't like wrap it in a nice bow about how she was feeling. And I really appreciated that because I think a lot of people feel that way. Nile was exactly the opposite. I tried in like three or four different ways to just, there is that guy is just a beaming beacon of light. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the only way to describe it. And you think about it, it's like, how could someone write that many songs that are just an absolute call to, to peace and acceptance and love? I mean, when you think about it, it's like, whether it's, you know, freak out, dance, 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 yeah. good times. And then things he wrote for other people, like, you know, we are family or even like Daft Punk's get lucky. Duran uh,
0: Duran songs. The Reflex. It, it, I, mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, like, and, over, and, yeah.
1: and you, and you think to yourself, like who, like who, what kind of a person has that in them? Right. And, and I was singing probably, you know, and I was like, it's him. Like, he's just, that's what it was like. It was, it was someone who grew up on the Lower East Side who had every reason uh, he fa- faced racism, he faced issues, economic uh, issues, and he could have just, you know, really like taken it into a different place and he would have been justified, but he didn't. He's like, mm-hmm. I have this vision, this utopian vision of what I think the world should be. I see it in disco. He was a member of the Black Panther Party. He saw it there. He saw it in a lot of the diversity in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And and just to have somebody, and again, that's that, that thing with, with the hardcore humanism, like You know, when everything is forcing you to go one way, you know, everything's pushing you to maybe be angry and, and, and destructive and whatever, and you put under all this pressure, but you decide to go another way. It's just so powerful. And I, I I was really, really moved by just listening to his story and it made, you know, it it made me reconsider a lot of like, man, like, could I turn some, some situations where I'm feeling like super angry into something that's a little bit more loving, a little bit more, um, connecting. Yeah. So and I, I enjoyed
0: it. It's, it's, um, and, and maybe, hopefully, this isn't too big of a leap, but apropos of the times we're living in in the Black Lives Matter movement, it's, it's just interesting to see how some people, there was the guy who got accosted by the, the now famous, what's her name? Karen. Her name's not Karen, but the woman who shouted at this guy and called the cops on him. You know, this thing, it was in the news. But that dude said he's not going to press charges because the woman's already been shamed. She's lost her job. He's, the guy's like, enough. I give him a lot of credit. Now that's not necessarily the right way. There are there are plenty of black people that would say "fuck that." We've been waiting long enough. You know, um, it's it's time. And and that's so I kind of hear all voices. I have one. I have a couple of. Um, i have a couple of black friends mike um i have but but there's a, a group a, a gang that we usually go to we used to go to dinner steak dinner in new york every year and as it it just happened by coincidence it's a mix of like black dudes and white dudes but there's one guy named eric who is i call him this is eric my militant black friend great great guy guy but he will call bullshit wherever he sees bullshit and all the power to him we were having an email debate about the, it was right around the time when baseball started that um, it was some international league or maybe am I just thinking of baseball in the Olympics or whatever. But anyway, we, it was a debate as to who what country would have the best baseball team, Dominican Republic. Dominican. And this guy, Eric, chimes in and says, we're not considering that that, um, you know, if they didn't have the Negro Leagues and it was integrated, then black people would dominate baseball or something like that. And the other black dude, Tom, chimes in and says, "Lighten up, satchel," and so, which is just like perfect. And neither one of them is right in their approach. But but a guy like now Rogers, you got to give him credit. What? Let me ask you this, Mike can we can we still hear your music? Is it still out there? And and yeah, yeah People yeah, want to hear you scream a, at them. Yep.
1: You sure? It's odd zero. Uh, is the band. We're on Spotify. Say, say again. Ad,
0: ad, what zero? Oh, odds? So it's oh, odds zero. Odd, right, right, right. Now odd, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Odd zero. Uh, two
1: words. Uh, yep. We haven't, we haven't done an album in, in like 10 years, but we're still, we're still up there and you pretty much uh, Pandora, uh, any of those places. Great. We're up there. So and, if you want to, if you want to be upset and disturbed. Please,
0: uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> and, get, and again, the podcast, go to hardcore humanism.com. Look at the whole library Mention a guest or two coming up.
1: I don't know when this is coming out, but right. we got Cherie Curry of the Runaways coming up. Ooh. We got uh, we got Dennis DeYoung of Sticks coming up. We have uh, Randy Bly of Lamb of God uh, coming up. Um, we got oh man, we got a bunch bunch more people. Ask- but those those we'll, we'll stick with those. Al Al Jorgensen of Ministry. Um, so we'll start we'll start with those for sure.
0: I would love to ask Dennis DeYoung if. He ever made it to Desert Moon? I just think of him, him In the,
1: I asked him. I, I told his publicist. I was like, I was like, can, I was like, is there any chance of a come sail away acapella? Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I literally do. He's like, he's like, you got to get me more press in order for me to do that. I was she like, ah. was the yes, there he is. This um,
0: is. I will listen to the podcast, so no spoilers, but. Um, the other question you could ask him, which is the question that Tommy Shaw asked for years, is, "What the fuck was with all the robots, Dennis? Come on, enough <laughs> with the Mister Roboto thing." But Diana, def-
1: as our people say.
0: <laughs> all right, I promised a couple things, and we're up against the clock. But I'm going to make good. We're going to play a quick round of Wicked Smart with uh, the good doc here. Here we go.
1: Smart, my boy's wicked smart. Smart.
0: So apropos of absolutely nothing dr mike Friedman, we're gonna play a round of wicked smart which is has to do with this day in history and as you listen to this podcast kids it is friday july 31st the last day of uh july wow this is great information everyone's getting this morning How huh, while i stall and get the segment ready so um let's start with some birthdays born 40 years ago, actor B.J. Novak, happy birthday, B.J., best known for writing and starring in what NBC runaway hit, Dr. Mike? The Office. That's right. Very good. 57 years ago today, happy birthday, Wesley Snipes. Name one horrible, shitty movie that Wesley Snipes was in.
1: Uh, I don't believe that he's been in any bad movies, and I will name Mm. movies that he's been that are good. All right. (laughs) Wildcats, fantastic! Demolition Man, fantastic! Okay, Blade, fantastic!
0: Demolition Man was one of the accepted answers there. Oh,
1: uh, you said that? That's a, you said that? That oh, was a horrible movie. Oh, come on! Well, oh, I, please, Simon about, Phoenix.
0: How about how about Passenger Fifty Seven? Always bet on black. Come on. Give me a break.
1: All right. New Jack oh. City was fantastic. Shame on you. I but, can't believe this. I, enjoy, I wish have talked about this ahead of time. <laughs> you brought me into this.
0: I enjoy New Jack City. I'm sorry,
1: Wesley. New,
0: <laughs> happy birthday, Wesley. Sorry we trashed you. Uh, I trust you. Um, I enjoyed New Jack City. What was the name of his character? Uh, he was a gangster. It was New Jack City. is was like the...
1: Nino Brown.
0: You know, right, Nino Brown. Right, right, right. Yeah, go to the Enterprise and and do your crack anyway we don't have to, we don't have time for the deep dive that new jack city merits on this day in 1876 u.s coast guard officers train school was established in new bedford what state does new bedford lie in don't overthink it
1: i would have to go with massachusetts because I'm.
0: that's right didn't you live in rhode island for
1: a while you did <laughs> yeah, you see i lived in, I lived in boston I, oh, well, you, no, I didn't. I lived in. I lived in. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I lived in. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't say
0: that because you never called me, you jerk. I did. I maybe one. Maybe once saying, or twice. Oh. I,
1: uh, this is the Boston our, podcast.
0: Our- I never freaking leave this place. But we have to move on. In 1966, people in Alabama burned Beatles pro- products due to John Lennon saying what?
1: I think people were offended by saying, uh, "I am the walrus." <laughs> No, wasn't Paul
0: the Walrus anyway? The answer is he said that they were more popular than Jesus. He's, he's, yes, and uh, people burned. Can I tell
1: the, you, I I, yep. I knew that, but I didn't even want to oh. say that. So I didn't even want there to be a soundbite with me saying that.
0: I enjoyed the par- the the many members of Monty Python when they did the parody movie, The Ruttles. Um, Beatles. They were burning Ruddles albums because they said they're more popular than God. It, it turns out the the guy was misheard. What he was trying to say was more, more popular than Rod. Rod Stewart. <laughs> they just really enjoyed that. On this day in 1967, this is a super easy one. They're gonna get harder. Uh, what two members of the Rolling Stones ended one month in jail?
1: I didn't even know that. I, I assume it's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. You assume correctly, know. and I don't yeah, have all the I info not, here. I did not know that.
0: I also assume it's drugs. It's like the Charlie Sheen character in Ferris Bueller, what are you in here for? Drugs. I'm butchering that. Google it, people. It's funny. In 1972, Chicago infielder Dick Allen earned a distinction by becoming only the seventh player in Major League Baseball history to hit two home runs in a game, but not just two home runs in a game. The distinction was when Dick Allen hit the ball and hit his home run, the ball did not do what?
1: You know, as far as baseball from the 70s, is the answer Ed Cranepool? Because that, that's pretty much my knowledge yes. of uh, strange, baseball strange, right there. Strangely, it yes. It did not hit Ed Cranepool.
0: It did not hit Ed Cranepool, and it has never been in my kitchen. They were inside the park home run. In In 1973, well, this is the Boston Podcast, another Boston question for the non-Boston Mike. Uh, a Delta Airlines jetliner in 1973 crashed while landing in a fog at a Boston airport, killing 89. I never knew this. That sounds horrible. Mm. What is the name of the airport in Boston where the accident occurred?
1: Is Logan the airport
0: name? That's right. Wow. Anna, no, I, Anna, I got that uh, wrong. In 1984, Lisa Gibbons made her first appearance on this television show. Is it Palopo? No. Entertainment Tonight. Interesting. In 1988, on this day, the last Playboy Club closed. It was in a town in Michigan. Can you name the, the town slash city in Michigan that uh, sported the last Playboy Club? Uh, was it Flint? No. <laughs> that would be... It if it was, No. You want to keep going? Is it Detroit? No. It's the capital... I think it's the capital city of Michigan. No, that's not... What is the capital of Michigan? Now, oh, who cares? The answer is Lansing. I don't, know.
1: I don't. I don't. I don't know enough places in Michigan.
0: We should go there together, you and me. Let's go to Sheboygan. We Let's go to Sheboygan. We'll get on a bus to Sheboygan. In 1995, on the state, Walt Disney announced the acquisition of Capital Cities slash this network, this TV network, for 19 billion, adding to its family of properties consisting of Disney, ESPN, and ESPN Two. What network? One of the TV networks, the big ones. Is it Fox? No. Come on, oh, well, I hit the wrong button. Uh, ABC, ABC Sports. And really? Yes. And finally, on this day in 2012, they used to have a thing called the Olympics. This swimmer broke the record for the most medals won at the Olympics. U.S. swimmer. Come on, man. He's that good-looking guy. Well, I know. Michael's I know. Swimmer's. It's not Ryan Lochte. It's Michael.
1: It's Michael, it's Michael yes! Phelps. Yeah. God, can that's I tell you, job. Eric, Eric, Eric Haydn just keep popping in my head. I was like, that's <laughs> skating. Stop. <laughs> I, I love- was like, no, it's Eric Hayden. It's Mike Ruzioni. I was like, you know, no, it's neither and of those guys.
0: I loved Eric Haydn. He was chill. He, he opened a nation to the wonderful world of, of speed skating. And then we all quickly forgot after that, I think. And then do you remember, this is funny, how things like pop into pop culture and then they fall off the face of the earth. What was the name of the dude who was really good at the crazy kind of ice skating, where you're allowed to like bump into the other guys? That's not actually true, but it was. It's like short track skating. Are you
1: talking about rollerblading?
0: No, I I I, th- I just I think I just came not up rollerblading. No, no, no. It's called short. I think it's called short track skating. Apollo Ono. Remember that guy? He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Do you read magazines or anything?
1: Dave, Dave. I'm, I'm read no psychologist, books and stuff? but honestly, I feel like you just made that whole thing up. <laughs> You know that you know that game where you're on the ice was, and they skate, but you get to like shoot people at the same time. Like it's called short
0: track speed skating, and it's a form of competitive ice skating. Multiple skaters skate on an oval ice track with a length of 111 meters. Who knows what that is in English? Um, and it's the same. It's, anyway, it's it was exciting, and it, it was. Well, how come
1: th- we never did that though?
0: We should have. We we without the skate. Shame on you. Just run around. Um, Anyway, so before we depart, we're going to do a a quick entry in the segment that we call Good Stuff. Mike and I will both uh, recommend something good that you should be watching, consuming or eating or doing. Before we do that, let me briefly tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is the place to go if you want your own podcast. Is now a good time to start a podcast? As a matter of fact, yes. Why not? You've been sitting at home, putting off some projects. You're worried this pandemic is going to end without you accomplishing anything special. We can ship out a USB microphone, a quality one, not the crappy kind, and we'll get it to you. We'll produce your podcast from start to finish, intro music, outro music. The whole mishpucha, as Mike and my people would say. And get started. Go to pod617.com. Also, check out a new event that we feature called Zuma Palooza. It's happening every Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. We charge 15 bucks for it, but a lot of the money goes to COVID Relief, the Massachusetts COVID-19 Relief Fund. It's fun and games. It's comedy. It's interactive. It's all kinds of fun stuff. You can also hire us to do your corporate event. Zuma Palooza, go to pod617.com for all that info. The Boston Podcast Network in pod, we trust let's play a round of good stuff oh, that's the good stuff, the good
1: stuff baby. <laughs> all right.
0: unsurprisingly dr mike getting down with his bad self a little bit i call out guests if they don't dance at least a little bit it's the b52s man all right mike do you have something you might recommend to our listeners whether it's something you've seen on tv or some new hobby you've taken out something that has brightened your spirits during the pandemic what do you got
1: uh, well, I, you know, a couple of things that I would, I would recommend if you, if you like more intense punk or hardcore music, I would mm. check out three, one G records. Um, it's a very cool record label run by Justin Pearson out in San Diego. Mm. Um, and almost anytime something comes out on that, I'm very into it. The other thing that I would recommend is go, um, look at uh, DJ Caveem. And Alchemy Earth. They are DJ Khaled is one of the founders of what's called eco hip hop, um, mm. which is one of the hip hop that really talks about the environment. He's, he and is why they've been vegan chefs for a very long time, and they're doing a lot of. They have a really interesting nonprofit now, where what they're doing is they're teaching uh, people in urban areas to be organic gardeners. Mm. Um, his basic premise is, you know, that if you have control over a food source and you have access to good food, um, that's one of the ways to kind of reclaim urban areas as being healthier rather than less healthy. He sees, you know, when, and when he was growing up, he saw like, you know, he saw a prison he saw a liquor store, he saw a gun store and he saw like a, a corner shop that had really crappy food. And he put that all together as these are all things that are toxic uh, mm. you know, in, in Denver where he grew up. And so he's really dedicated his career to teaching people how to, in any circumstance, do organic gardening and have access to really healthy plant-based foods. Um, and the two of them have done like a lot of really cool stuff. So I would say go check them out. Uh, DJ cave and alchemy of earth, um, uh, really interesting stuff.
0: Wow. Uh, uh typically, um under the radar suggestion from dr mike appreciate it um no that's fantastic stuff and i will check it out and listeners please do as well um i'll you went high i'm gonna go low this is gonna be dave's official review of the 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 smash hit netflix show the floor is lava have you heard about this
1: i have not i'm, I'm in the middle of the outer banks right now
0: oh okay so, i haven't tried broad, i haven't it. tried it's outer banks uh, it <laughs> outer banks thumbs up thumbs down good
1: I, I, gi- I give it a very high thumbs up, you know. It's, uh, you know, yeah, it's you know, it's it's impressed me so far. I'm only in the first uh, few episodes, but so far I'm impressed.
0: Well, you would like the idea for this show, Floor is Lava. The idea is it's a it's a game show sort of out of the mold of those shows on Nickelodeon where you go try to do obstacle coursey stuff and you get stuff poured on you. It's, it's obviously derived from the game that we used to play as kids. You probably did, too, was you're around your living room, and all of a sudden someone says, the floor is lava, and you have to pretend the floor is lava. So you got to jump to the couch and then to the table, and then you break a lamp and all kinds of stuff. Inspired by that, we'll take a, a quick look at the trailer. Well, Mike and I will look at it. You'll listen to it, listeners at home. Here's a trailer for Netflix's show, The Floor is Lava. It's the hottest game show in history. Three teams dare to make it to the exit without falling in. The team with the most points wins $10,000 and gets to meet me, Rutledge Wood. Hello. Make it from the entrance to the exit and your team earns a point. Fall in and you're out. Oh <laughs> Go! The obstacle course is colossal. The leaps are epic, and you really want to stick your landings because the floor is lava. All right, we get the point. I tell you something; it's yeah. just like
1: I—I can I, I have a good like, Rutledge Wood. See, Rutledge that's like Wood. A good day. Rutledge Wood. Yeah, See, that's a good day. I can't say like Michael Friedman; it doesn't <laughs> work like that. Dave Yaz <laughs> kind of can work. You know what I mean? Especially if it's you know if it's David Lee Yaz, Diamond David Lee yeah. Yaz. Oh, I like but, the diamond one. Yeah, that's a Rutledge that's a Wood rutledge wood is rutledge wood rutledge wood
0: yeah he should be either an action film star or perhaps a porn star you know if he chose to go that way it would work whatever your
1: choice is but he has the options right (laughs) so so i do i do not
0: okay so so you're right in rutledge wood as far as i know this is what he's known for this is his crowning achievement this show the floor is lava and so you know listeners you couldn't see it but the set is impressive it's it's colorful it, it's like a it's like if you if, if dr seuss invented you know took over and designed your living room or whatever but then when they say the floor is lava the floor isn't actual lava because that would be incredibly dangerous and and fatal but it is this sort of viscous red liquid i, I assume we're talking some kind of water with food dye and maybe some other stuff in there Although they have said it is warm, they must heat it. And when a player falls into the lava, they they disappear underneath the surface of the water and you don't see them again. They don't they don't drown there's a trick I won't even reveal what the trick is it's pretty simple actually but that and and then their teammates inevitably go no which they've clearly been coached up to do so this this so uh, Rutledge wood great idea for a TV show most of it is good it's fun it's the kind of thing you can have on in the background and just look every time somebody takes a header into one of the couches or something you know th- some of them take good shots in the gut because you're jumping from thing to thing and some of them are moving. And so it's, it's a great idea, but it's one of these sort of overproduced things where like in the end and too heavily edited, you'll hear him saying like, um, like if there are three nurses competing, it's though he'll say like, you know, Oh, better check back at the hospital after that plunge you just took or something like that. It's uh, even worse than that. And uh, you should just let him play because it, it's fun. And you have to make it all the way across the room, however many of your three teammates. Go. We should do that. You, you Mike, you, me. And perhaps I'm thinking someone like John Brodsky. It'll be it'll be the our, our friend yeah. John Brodsky, who was also uh, strikes Dutter. strikes quite a, f- a figure, our friend Dutter. We could be the the big yeah. lug the big lug team just, or the big. Galil- yeah, but just,
1: you can't invite you can't invite Michael Wolf though, because I feel like he'd be the kind of person that would tell you that there was going to be like, oh, it'll be safe under the water, but then drown you. And then he wouldn't <laughs> even remember that he did it. Like do you know what I mean? Like that kind of a person? Like Yeah. You know, uh, like 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 a, like a I don't care where the bodies are buried.
0: Yes. I, I could you see know? that. Yeah. Poor Milt taking it on the chin today. By the way, <laughs> listen to our podcast, past tens, anywhere you listen to your podcast. All right. Well, Dr. Mike, I hope you had uh fun. Hardcorehumanism.com. Go there, get the podcast, get the advice, the philosophy. Get all the good mojo and the juju. Any, any, any other plugs that we've left out here? Ways for people no, to contact this is, this is, you?
1: This is fantastic. No, you just go to hardcorehumanism.com. Uh, you can contact us directly there. Um, You'll be check it out. We always love hearing what people think, so don't be bashful
0: awesome awesome um yeah and by the way just to solve one final misery m- misery mystery it's a mis- mystery like to, that's making like that's salt. making me miserable i'd like to solve I think misery I, f- <laughs> I think i figured you that's what you do every day i think i figured out who maslow was it was definitely either the robot in buck rogers or the dog and punky brewster am i close no now he was a, i think
1: that I, I think that again in talking about buck rogers we're talking about very sacred ground here i feel like this is bringing me back to the wesley snipes trauma so i just want to make sure that no one thinks i'm making fun of buck rogers or punky brewster but definitely not buck rogers okay
0: <laughs> sorry buck sorry dirk benedict so, was it dirk benedict was it no, no 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 that was uh Battle star. Dirk
1: benedict was starbuck Gil Gerard Gil Gerard Yes, was Gil by. Gerard and Aaron, and Aaron Gray <laughs> Oh, the fetching her Aaron silver Grey. spoons mode.
0: That's right, that's right Well, I hope you found some of this information interesting, me and Mike did Hardcorehumanism.com is where you go Thanks for being here Dr. Mike My name is Dave Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast Remember to subscribe to us Go to pod617.com for all your podcast needs If you want your own show You can be the next big podcast star on behalf of Dr. Mike My name is Dave I'm just a guy from Boston But if you're not from Boston you must be the other guy enjoy the day everybody
1: just want to say that love is still exciting and-